0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Smackdown Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. And I gotta say, I am really enjoying doing these Roundup podcasts. For so long, I felt like talking to myself would... I'd feel like I'd go crazy. I feel like I was was a crazy person. Just talking to myself in a room, alone, to a microphone. Uh, As someone who has ADD, I was like, I can't let people into my stream of consciousness in my mind. That doesn't seem like a smart plan. But just seeing the feedback from so many of you who seem to enjoy this, these additional episodes that are being put out, enjoy hearing me give my take on Raw and SmackDown again, uh, it's been super cool to hear your guys' feedback. Like I, I really enjoy it, and I'm glad that you guys are enjoying the show because... Um, If you weren't, it would be pointless for me to be doing this. Then I really would just be sitting here alone talking to myself. But you guys have done a really good job of making me feel like I am not just alone afterwards. So I appreciate those of you who send me some feedback on social media or tell me on Twitch when I'm streaming old episodes of classic vintage wrestling. All you guys letting me know that you like the show makes me very happy because, like I said, it's super fun for me to work on these again. And I like the clips that I put out of it, too. I mean, the one I put out of Dolph Ziggler on Monday, it's got like half a million views. So uh, it's it's cool. I am I, really happy that the show is growing. Uh, I'm very, very happy about it. But let's get to the show that we're actually here to discuss. We're not here to discuss this Roundup podcast. That's just me patting myself on the back, I guess. I don't know. It's me thanking all of you. I'm trying not to pat myself on the back. I'm just letting you guys know that you're all making me enjoy this more than I even thought. But... Smackdown this week starts with Michael Cole introducing Pat McAfee to the ring. McAfee apologizes for his absence last week, saying that he's sorry for subjecting us to graves and bum-ass Corbin on commentary. Then he shows the clip of Corbin attacking him after Money in the Bank. talks about how he and Corbin were roommates together back in the day and says, As soon as his ugly, dumbass stepped foot in WWE, he became an insufferable douchebag who would do anything for a dollar, (laughs) which I thought that was a funny line. Um, It's just, I got, like, Pat McAfee, he is so good at making the crowd react to how he wants them to react, whether it's on commentary for the TV audience, whether it's on the mic for something like this, whether it's cutting a promo, whether it's on his own show, That man knows how to pull people's strings in whatever direction he wants. And so this was super, super entertaining. He said uh, he's going to smack Corbin in the mouth and humble him back into being a good member of our society. Then he gets interrupted by Corbin on the big screen, who says that it's a shame Pat is too stupid to stay in his own lane and that he needs to stay on commentary where he belongs. I'm a fighter, and you just run your mouth, he says. Uh, Then Corbin points to a rash on his arm and says he might have contracted monkeypox or something from being around the WWE universe. And I loved uh, loved McAfee's follow-up to that, where he said, That's not monkeypox, that's bum-ass Corbin being allergic to greatness. I just feel like, man, you can tell when you watch McAfee, you can tell that that man grew up during the Attitude Era, specifically loving The Rock. Even though he likes Stone Cold, you can tell he loves Stone Cold, too. You can just see the influence there when he's on the mic. Just kind of like the swag, the confidence, the coolness, the 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 not-giving-a-crap behavior. It just all kind of uh, feels very reminiscent of The Rock without being like a ripoff of his mannerisms and, and his vocal cadence and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of, you could see the influence there of just wanting to entertain with some some uh, some some funny lines that's going to pop the WWE Universe, pop the boys in the back, and, and pop whoever's uh, watching on TV. So uh, I enjoyed this whole opening. I thought these two did a good job, despite the fact that they couldn't get face-to-face. Now, Pat plays it up with the crowd some more after that. Then he introduces Liv Morgan. We got Liv Morgan versus Natalia. Liv wins a short match with Oblivion, then afterwards cuts a promo saying that she knows she's the underdog walking into SummerSlam, but she's been the underdog her whole life. She says, call me what you want, but at SummerSlam, you'll still call me your SmackDown Women's Champion. Now next week, there's going to be a face-to-face between her and Ronda, on SmackDown, and honestly, I know it's only been, you know what, two weeks or something like that, but so far, so good in making Liv Morgan look good as champion, she's still coming across as confident, and that's key, and I feel like she she looks on TV like she has stepped up to the, the next level, and, and hopefully she stays there, you know, I think we, I, I talked about it on here last week a little bit, but um, obviously people are, you get concerned seeing that she's up against Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. But I just I don't I even if it's not a clean win, I just don't see them I don't see them taking the title off of Liv already, especially with the way they've played it up as being such a big moment for her and such a big moment for her fan base and for the WWE fan base and just for everyone at being this big moment. I really hope they're not planning to just take it from her a few weeks later, because that would really make the the value of the women's Money in the Bank uh, the contract go down majorly. Even though she won it, if she doesn't stay at the top, then it it definitely devalues that that contract. So hopefully, something happens to where she is able to keep the title at SummerSlam while also maintaining that credibility that she's currently building up to an all-time high for her character. After that, we had Theory backstage, and Heyman interrupts, asking for a moment with Mr. Money in the Bank. This becomes a little bit of a running through line throughout the night since we didn't get Roman Reigns on the show again. Heyman shakes Theory's hand and says that cashing in against Roman at SummerSlam... Makes no sense at all. He says, what you want to do is work with me so I can work with the Tribal Chief and we can set up a scheduled title match at a major event. Let me handle everything for you. Now, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's funny in a scenario like this because it's two heels, basically. You know, it's, it's two heels. It's Heyman's a heel, Theory's a heel. But Heyman makes a lot of sense here. I've always kind of wondered that with the Money in the Bank holder. Like, If you really wanted to elevate yourself, wouldn't you just want to step in, lo- step in the front of the line to get a title shot that is promoted ahead of time and you get made into a bigger deal rather than looking like someone who is weak that has to cash in after the fact? I just never uh, understood that. Like, even Big e, Big e was a start where he said, like, I'm cashing in tonight. He said it ahead of time, made his character look tough. Now, f- fortunately, the follow-up wasn't necessarily there in the best way it could have been. But um, I liked that they at least had him call his shot ahead of time rather than look weak by cashing in. Um, even though he still did that. Um, so, I... I, I oh meant to have my computer on silent. I'm sorry guys. Look at me, Mr. unprofessional <laughs> over here. Um so yeah, I think that um I think that theory should you in in theory, excuse me, not theory, in theory a WWE superstar should do exactly what Heyman is saying here and call their shot ahead of time to elevate their status by getting a main event of pay-per-view without being booked to main event a pay-per-view so <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me again I'm just coughing in your ear as you're trying to listen to me I didn't even mute my microphone that's, that's what happens when you're talking alone though it would have been just a bunch of dead air and I was sitting here thinking like what do I do in that dead air do I mute it I'm alone if I had other people, I would have let them talk. But I'm alone here. I'm still alone. So, um, yeah. So I think that uh, at the, in the end, it makes sense for a heel to do it. But from a logical standpoint, you'd think what Heyman is saying here would be the thing that that you know that a, that a wrestler <laughs> should do. Now, Theory turns him down and says he's still cashing in at SummerSlam, and and then uh, walks off. Now, we're going to get back to this through line, but first, let let me take a commercial break so I can cough a little bit while I'm not recording, and then we'll get back, and we'll talk about the rest of the episode. After the break, we had an entrance from the New Raid. No, not the New Day, not Viking Raiders, the New Raid. We had New Day coming out dressed like the Viking Raiders, and they're in the ring making jokes, making fun of the Viking Raiders, and their jokey antics are eventually interrupted by the real Viking Raiders who say they are new and vicious, and once they get to the ring, the only words left to describe New Day will be mangled and broken. Woods calls them ugly, and they walk. this obviously triggers them to walk to the ring with a purpose, but Woods blows a horn in the ring little shofar action, it looked like. And Shanky and Jinder pop up out of nowhere to attack the Raider, the Raiders. The Viking Raiders retreat. And that was the end of that segment. Pretty standard stuff, but obviously fun to see the Viking Raiders uh, get made fun of by New Day. By the New Day dressing up like them and, and playing into it. <clears throat> My favorite thing about this feud is when I had Kofi Kingston on at a Character. He talked about... Coming up with Ivar in the business when they first started training together, so I kind of like that we're getting this feud between them. Nice little, nice little callback for both of them, I'm sure. Gunther had an interview with Kayla Braxton after that, and he reminds he reminds Ludwig that losing has consequences. As it said, Ludwig has a rematch coming up next week against Shinsuke Nakamura. As you'll recall, he got the crap chopped. He got, the, he got his chest chopped into uh, a big pile of red meat last week on the show when he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura. So they're playing into that more. And you can see Ludwig acting all scared and worried of how Walter was going to treat him. And then Gunther eventually says he wants to remind him again. So he makes him open up his track jacket and he hits him with a chop. That's so hard, it makes Kayla watch on in horror. Uh, I kind of liked all this. I like the way they're playing up Gunther as a guy you don't want to piss off. I like their showing that even his friends are terrified of him. Uh, All-around effective, in my opinion. I liked how this all played out. Uh, Okay, then we had a segment where it was supposed to be uh, Aaliyah versus Lacey Evans. But once again, Lacey stops the music. And asks for it to restart, wanting a better reaction. Then she gets on the microphone and says she's an American hero. A prime example of everything you nasties should be. And gets more booze. Then she tells the crowd to go to hell. And once again leaves, rather than wrestles. Uh, this is basically an updated version of what she had been doing before. Only without the old-timey hats and dresses and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't dislike it at all. I'm just slightly disappointed because I felt like we were getting something new from her. And I was really interested to see how that was going to play out. Um, I do think that she could get people to cheer for her if if the right storylines were presented. Um, but um, she's so good at being a heel that like that she'll be just as effective doing this as she was before. Uh, crowds love to boo her. She's great at being a bad guy. There's not going to be anything Bad about Lacey Evans doing the same thing she was doing before, and it's smart to have it be more updated, so it at least kind of feels fresh. It's not doing the the fifties girl thing or whatever, you know, not doing the 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 all of the that, making it someone who exists, who could exist in the current day, who would exist in the current day. But, like I said, I just personally, I felt like she had the acting chops to pull off a babyface run or to pull off something a little bit different. But, either way, it's not bad. It's definitely not bad. Uh, She is a heat magnet and will continue to be that with what she's doing right now. After that, we were supposed to have Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. But, once again, it's another fake out. And, instead, we got Drew McIntyre. Versus Ridge Holland. Uh, he drew McIntyre hits Sheamus' signature moves during the match and eventually hits the Claymore to win. Pretty standard stuff with that one. Obviously, they want to keep the Clash of the Castle build alive and continue to build Drew McIntyre um, and, and build to him getting that title match. But it's so obvious that he's getting the title match that some of this kind of feels like, um, kind of feels like they're just going through the motions until they get to after SummerSlam when they can really kick it into high gear. Uh, so you can't really get mad about it because it's helping to elevate the guys in the Brawling Brutes. It's keeping Drew busy. It's giving Seamus something to do. So it is what it is. After that, we had Theory versus Madcap Moss. But before that, Madcap gets approached by Heyman before the match who reminds him that he was responsible for the biggest break in his career. Now, for those of you who maybe were confused when you saw Heyman say that, uh, this was in reference to Moss's first main roster push while Paul was still the executive director of Raw, and he really got behind him as a talent before injury hit Madcap Moss, formerly Riddick Moss. Remember, he got that win over Ricochet? Guessing Heyman was behind that. Now Heyman tries to convince Madcap to take out Theory so he can have his own title match against Reigns. Moss says it sounds like Heyman is scared of Theory cashing in, then walks to the ring without accepting any offer. You know, I gotta say Madcap continue to shows continues to show potential. I feel like this backstage segment he seemed like he belonged It's not like, you know, it was anything crazy or anything, you know, that he said that blew my socks off or anything like that, but he just looked like he belonged there. Didn't look like he was out of place whatsoever. And I like seeing his growth. In fact, we could talk about his growth on out of character next week. For those of you who listen to the podcast, you get a special little treat here. I'll tell you who my next guest is. It's Mad Cat Moss. He's on Monday, and we have a great conversation. So Theory gets himself disqualified. From the match, and it's probably for the best since there's no reason to have Madcap losing as they continue to try getting him over. Then Theory gets on the microphone after saying he'll soon be the youngest Universal Champion ever, but he gets interrupted by Sami Zayn in a sling, who says Theory is disrespecting the Bloodline as and as an honorary spokesman for the Bloodline, he's asking for an apology right now. Theory responds by saying, "What are you gonna do with one arm?" But then, the the the, this, the the big moment happens. The Usos' music hit, and they come out to back him up. As a Sami Zayn fan, I popped so hard for this because it was like, it was like the the, the the mean older brother. It was like a part of a movie where the where the bully finally shows up to help the guy, <laughs> to help the nerd. Because he 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 was talking too much crap to the wrong person, and and the bully was like, "No, only we bully, only I bully this guy." That's what it reminded me of. We're um, like your older brother showing up when some guy's gonna beat you up to be like, "No, no, 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 you get you get out of here." That's what it was like. And Sami Zayn uh, looked like he felt so cool with them coming out to back him up. Now, before we get to the the next. Uh, part which was, you know, another uh, Jimmy Uso versus Angelo Dawkins. There was a tease shown um, in the middle of all of that, Theory, Madcap, Sammy Uso stuff. But there was a tease shown on the show for next week's segment involving Maximum Male Models and it was said that we'll meet Max Dupree's sister, Maxine. Who is Maxine Dupree? That's the question. Who is Maxine Dupree. I'm guessing it won't be someone that's already on the roster. You'd think with that extreme of a name change, you've got to dig into NXT. So here are some possible options in my opinion. I think two of the standouts are Gigi Dolan or JC Jane from NXT. I think you could play up either one as a model. They've been doing the toxic attraction thing. People are liking it. And they would match with the vibe of Max Dupree. There's also one other one that stands out to me. But it's a little bit of a stretch as being Max Dupree's sister. However, that might make it even more comical. And that's Ginny from NXT UK. I feel like Ginny from NXT UK kind of has a whole fashion vibe as it is. And so I could see that. You know her being part of a faction that is male model based. Like if you go to her her Twitter page, the the top of the page in her bio it says WWE fashionista. You know her her t- last tweet says simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. Hashtag fashion. Um, I feel like I f- yeah I just I feel like she could fit here. Now I realize she's got. An accent that doesn't necessarily fit Max Dupree, um, but I mean, like they could be step siblings. They could be, you know, you know, have they could be you know half siblings. It, it could work. So that's who I'm going with. Those are my three leading choices for Maxine Dupree. Lastly, we ended the show with Jimmy Uso versus Angelo Dawkins. There's a ref bump in the match, and Angelo has Jimmy down. For more than three seconds, Dawkins eventually wins, though, with a sky high. However, first of all, wait, before I go past that, I love the sky high. Such a good move. I popped for it. The fact that it ended a match, even though under it was under shady circumstances, uh, I popped seeing the sky high get used like that. But it was shown that that Jimmy Uso's shoulder was up, much like Montez Ford at Money in the Bank. So there's some bickering, obviously, amongst everyone about this Street profits making fun of the Usos. Usos being angry until eventually Adam Pearce walks out to reveal the special guest referee for their match, Jeff Jarrett. Now I don't know what I thought about this. I felt I I, I will say I felt like it was slightly underwhelming, you know. But Double J is local to that area, so including him in the show in some way makes sense now that he's returned to the company again full time just kind of like I felt like the way they presented it when it came out end a show um, they've been talking about it for a few weeks I did think that maybe it might be someone on a bigger level you know you guys had heard me talk initially on here like I don't know maybe it'll be some sort of musician maybe it'll be some sort of actor reality star I don't know then it was pointed out to me Sami Zayn who was on commentary for this and was saying that he thought he should be the referee Um but there was Sami Zayn too. Sami Zayn was a leading contender. I don't really know how Jeff Jarrett fits into any of this. Usually, like you'd think, the guest referee either they fit into the story somehow, or they're a, a name that's going to excite the majority of the audience. So I was just kind of like slightly underwhelmed. But I mean, I like Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett's an entertaining, uh, you know, entertaining legend. He's local to the area, so ultimately, I've got no problem with it. I think I just felt like the way it was being built up so much that it was maybe going to be someone a little bit bigger of a deal, especially the, you know being the way they ended the show. All right, I am done here. Uh, I am finished. <laughs> I am gonna get out of here. I want to watch Nathan Fielder's new show. I think it's officially out now. The rehearsal. Wait, did I? I think I got an email like. As I was doing this podcast, and I've been wanting to watch this show so badly. Oh yes, it is available now. Sorry guys, I gotta end this. I got an article to write, and then I got a new show to watch that I've been dying to see. So, uh, we'll be back here. There's gonna be a Best of the Week podcast that comes out on Sunday now. That'll hit your feeds in case you missed anything from any of the shows I've done. Whether it was the Raw, Roundup whether it was the out-of-character interview I did. That's going to come in your feed every Sunday. I I would say the SmackDown recap, but you're listening to that right now. So if you've gotten this far, you most likely listen to the segment that's going to be on there. But it's going to be there every Sunday going forward in case you missed anything. But if you've gotten this far... You're a loyal person, and I appreciate you. I appreciate that you stuck it out this long. So we'll both sign off together so that we can both get to whatever we need to do, and we'll meet back here Monday morning. Peace.